So you're here with Looking Glass Forum as we bring you ideas censored by Big Tech. We're here protecting the voice of political dissent and maintaining the truth, even as, as it is decried as heresy by the emerging globalist elites. Welcome back. So we're back again here. We're just whipping together another episode, and we have a lot of stuff on the news now. And really this becomes a curriculum by which we can help you to understand what you know and what you think you know and help you to establish what are firm boundaries of reality. We can help to be your gauge in this time of unprecedented misinformation, disinformation, propaganda, info wars in earnest taking place all over the country. And here we are working to just try to shed light on some of the things that are being censored in mass by big techs, trying to find out what it is we're not allowed to believe or not allowed to think. And obviously, you know, we're split into this schizophrenic, this kind of like psychological dichotomy between these two different points of view by which we either look at Trump or we look at Biden as the, the person that we want to see as president. And it's in between there, there's a lot of noise, and it's hard often to really get an idea of what is really happening. I, I, we're listening to some of these podcasts, and people are expressing the opinion that maybe you know they're working together on the top level. You know, Maybe Trump and Biden are high-fiving in the background as they have us all at each other's throats. And be that as it may, a possible scenario that we can't see, something outside of our ability to perceive, we have to really understand where are we going with this. We need to elect a president. And we need to come out with a way of understanding how we can rule ourselves. Are we ruling ourselves? Are we voting for our own future? Are we? Is this our democratic institution? Or are we in the hands of a revolutionary power who's trying to you know, incite another color revolution, you know, as if it's our turn here in the United States? And so we really need to have, despite who's really going to win, we need to have a clean ballot. We need to have a clean election. And apparently there's a lot of just really questionable things happening in the middle of the night with, you know, these different, you know, we're hearing that maybe the actual official election ballots had a, had a, a, a watermark in the paper that uh, is, it wasn't distinguished and wasn't revealed earlier. So it's possible that if there are hundreds or hundreds of thousands of, you know, false ballots being stuck into these machines, that ultimately they'll be able to work all that out. Remember going Bush versus Gore, it took 40 days before they could figure out what they were doing, and ultimately the Florida state legislature decided, and the Supreme Court followed and backed that up. And ultimately, as we're going to learn more in this episode, the state legislatures in, the comp- in each uh, state, it's really their, their ballots and their electoral, electoral points that they get to award to whoever they want. So, you know, they can really send whatever electors they want to the Electoral College to ultimately make this election result whatever they want it to be, despite uh, however many false ballots may have been put in or how many um, questionable ballots have been counted after the day that it was legal. And, you know, you have this situation in Pennsylvania where the the Supreme Court there in Pennsylvania and, and some of the other actor, political actors just changed the, the rules. And we'll find out in a few weeks that that ultimately is not going to hold up and that will change the election results. So this is going to be a lot of ups and downs, but it looks like to me that ultimately that Arizona, 
in Pennsylvania and Georgia and North Carolina, all these states that are in question will ultimately end up in the Trump column. And it looks like to me that despite a really valiant effort on the part of the neo-communists that are running the Democratic Party to steal this election, that they're going to fail. So as we go on with this episode, let's take a look here more about what it is that's involved in the process of counting up the ballots for the election. So ultimately, you have the polling places, you're going to have the people counting the ballots, and you're going to have the election results, but they have to be certified. And this has to happen by December, I think, 16th. So ultimately, you're going to have these um, groups go in there and take a look at these ballots, and they should be able to easily determine if there's false ballots put in there. And if that happens even a little bit, it'll call into question the entire race. So these guys are out front early trying to call this race for Joe Biden and call him a president-elect, Joe Biden, all this kind of deal. But ultimately, he hasn't been elected at all. And it seems like that even if you bring in bag loads of ballots overnight at 4 a.m. and stuff them into the machine and count them and you count them up until you get a thousand more ballots than, than Trump, it, it's not going to land you an election. It's really just going to get a whole bunch of people sent to prison. That's how it looks to me. So the investigation into the laptop and into the Bidens and their ugly business dealings and really even into the Obamas, into this whole deep state narrative, it's really just going to thicken the plot here and it's going to just really make the narrative very convoluted and it's going to affect the body politic in a really destructive way here because you have people that are really excited that that the obvious uh, red wave of the obvious uh, landslide of votes that came in for Trump that obviously defeated Biden. I think they're hoping beyond hope that these were these small margins and these these uh, 4 a.m. after the deadline drops of illegal ballots and all this stuff will help to, to get them the victory that they are desperate for. But ultimately, this desperation is is showed and that they that they're cheating because they don't have any interest in the weird, funny business going on at the different polling locations throughout all these different states. You're talking about federal law and multiple state laws that are being violated in mass here. And you have this interesting um, voice clip here by Joe Biden talking about their network of voter fraud. I think that that shows that they're really monitoring very closely and have been for some time the, uh, the, the kind of stuff that they've been pulling here. Uh, with Joe Biden and the Obama team and the deep state neo-communist kind of actors that are desperate to try to get their, their hands around the throat of our country. So let's listen to that clip right here. I think it's interesting that somebody was able to pull this out. We're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together I think the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. So as we were working through this as the American people, we're trying to determine what it is, what direction we're going to move in. This was a huge election. Obviously, the whole future of our country is at stake. We have some very devious-looking communist-type actors, radical leftists that are moving into position here, their whole Green New Deal plan, the absurd and kind of maniacal move towards environmentalism as an extremist, you know, religious, perverse kind of ideology that will 
stop us from using fuels and using different kinds of energy while the rest of the world gets to move forward into the future and advance towards a mission to Mars and all this kind of stuff, then we'll supposedly just go back to living in teepees because that's what the woke leftist college kids want to do. So we have a major battle on our hands. I don't think the American people that came out in mass to support Donald Trump are going to go away. I think that Biden couldn't get even 12 people at his rally. There really isn't any political support for him. This is just like a big tech kind of uh, Hillary Clinton move towards stealing this election. I think it's going to completely fail. And I think that people are going to be upset on the left when they realize that this was really just a smokescreen. It was really just a blue mirage. And as the whole thing kind of caves in on itself and they start to pull out the threads of these different the different evidence and the different people there, they apparently already arrested people with fake ballots and loads of ballots, you know, being just moved around so as all this stuff is being sorted out and we have all the way until what January 2021 before inauguration I think that that we'll see that the Justice Department has 10 days to get involved in any dispute like this after the 3rd so that'll be the 14th I think we'll see them kick in and we'll see a lot of new stuff here Um, I want to put on a clip here by uh, Chris Platt he has some interesting stuff to say so let's take a listen to that Right, so the uh, uh, again the Mark Levin argument. Mark Levin tweeted last night. Um, reminder to the Republican state legislatures: you have the final say over the choosing of electors, not any board of elections, secretary of state, governor, or even court. You have the final say, Article 2 of the federal constitution. And uh, Mark Levin goes, and of course Twitter flagged this because Twitter is a corrupt Democrat Party entity engaged in censorship, to say the least. And, uh, and now, of course, the news media, the networks, did the same thing last night with the, uh, with the President of the United States uh, and beyond. And, of course, Mark Levin's tweet on this subject was flagged by the crooks at Twitter because we're really creating the Soviet Union here. We're creating a 21st century version of the Soviet Union, and the Democrats are doing this to us, and, and billionaire liberals and, and, uh, and lefties. This is the left. These are not liberals. This is the left, okay? Uh, 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 uh. And it's a completely different thing. Now, Mark Levin pointing this out, it's, it is true that and there are uh, Republican-controlled state legislatures uh, in, uh, in multiple states that do have the ability, now I mean, this is, we're, we're getting into some really funky territory here, I've got to say, as a country, and when the electors gather on December 14th, um, the state legislatures have the power. Now, the people at the blaze, Daniel Horowitz, who is a smart man, wrote up a nice piece on this. Who determines the outcome of the presidential election in a given state? Governors, secretaries of state or boards of election, superintendents, uh, the courts, Fox News' decision desk? Nope. The president wins a state when electors selected by state legislatures conduct a vote in their respective states on December 14th. Thus, ultimately, according to the Constitution, the state legislators wind up serving as the kingmakers in a disputed election. We have the most brilliant system of government. We are, we are the luckiest people in the world to have had the founders that uh, wrote our founding documents and came up with these ingenious 
just brilliant systems, the Electoral College and and the state legislatures, and uh, honestly, we need to go back to uh, the, the old way of bringing senators to Washington, and that is chosen by the state legislators as well. We need to revert back to that because it's a much more stable and smarter system that was devised by the geniuses, uh, rather than, as we do it now, by direct election in the states, uh, as devised by crooked politicians in the 20th century. Endless pots of unverified mail-in ballots that often fail to meet state election law standards, David Horowitz, Daniel Horowitz writes, uh, weren't created overnight at 3 a.m. on November 4th. They were created by a mix of illegal administrative actions taken by Democrat administrations in key states and, uh, and state and lower federal courts overriding long-standing state election laws. Uh, speaking of Pennsylvania and Nevada in particular here. This has been going on for years, but accelerated to a fever pitch over the last few months. The Constitution in Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1, uh, give state legislators, the legislatures, the power to, uh, over time, methods... Uh, over the times, methods and procedures of elections that provide no public health emergency exception that enables governors or judges to override them and create new systems for elections. All right, now this is, we're getting into, uh, you know, real uh, deep constitutional stuff here. But, uh, of course, Daniel Horowitz is 100% right. Mark Levin is, of course, 100% right. And it may be where this thing is heading. It's going to go to the Supreme Court first out of Pennsylvania. I'm going to imagine that the Trump team will call for an emergency um, gathering of the U.S. Supreme Court to take a look at what's going on in, um, in Pennsylvania. Uh, but this, you know, this, uh, and, and what do we have, you say, Michael, on CNN, they're already celebrating the Joe Biden victory, is that what's going on here? Uh, oh, Andrew Yang, oh yeah, he was a uh, candidate, I think, for the presidency for a brief period of time, Andrew Yang celebrating on CNN, um, saying, yeah, we should get used to saying President-elect Biden. We should and, get uh, used to saying President-elect Joe Biden because the man says that today is going to be a day to celebrate for millions. Joe, you did it. Thank you, Joe. Yes, we're back, America. Let's call it. Are those anchor people howling with laughter there? Is that, uh, that was Wolf Blitzer? He's in early. And he's howling up a storm. That was Wolf Blitzer. That didn't sound like that was Wolf Blitzer. That's laughing. I guess I've never heard him laugh uh, like that before. It's a big day for the Democrats and the media. I, uh, I mean, I, I've got a so they say, but uh, it ain't over till it's over. And because somebody called Decision Desk HQ called the presidential this nebulous, non-existent, as far as I'm concerned, uh, organization, presumably of overwhelmingly liberals, and if there are any Republicans, they're anti-Trump Republicans. But this is. Uh, this is really something I've got to say. And at CNN, so you know, I mean, uh, on on CNN, apparently Joe Biden has been declared the president. Is that is that uh, at least by Andrew Yang and the cackling anchor people, the journalists there, the news people. On Fox News, it's uh, still ongoing, but Joe Biden has pulled ahead in Pennsylvania after a long day and night of closed-door vote counting in Democrat districts only. Uh, the swing was from 18,042 votes. President Trump was up last night, and now Joe Biden is up 900, and then you can stop counting, and then they just stop counting. 
Then they just say, okay, we can call it now. <laughs> this is the stuff of the third world. And uh, I don't trust it. I don't believe it. The uh, Trump team obviously won't trust it. And, won't, uh, and uh, I've, I've got to tell you, today they need to announce a special prosecutor has been created for Joe Biden at the Department of Justice to look into his son and the money laundering and all of their international business dealings with all kinds of nefarious figures from China to Moscow to Ukraine. Uh, maybe it's time to uh, to get on, on that bandwagon. But I've got I've to tell you, you know, the, the Democrats with CNN, obviously, in their corner, and MSNBC and CBS and, and ABC and, and NBC and the Washington Post and the New York Times and Silicon Valley and Hollywood and, and Wall Street, uh, the entirety of the media and all your celebrity people, big banks and Bloomberg and the billionaires, the military-industrial complexes with Joe Biden, more wars ahead if Joe Biden wins. The intelligence community is uh, is in it for Joe Biden. They've been sabotaging President Trump. This is a very corrupt city that I'm living in and a very corrupt time we live in. The big tech people, Twitter and Facebook, have corruptly influenced the election. The violent mobs in the street rioting, looting, burning, arson, attacking the police, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, uh, academia, and... Um, you know, it is, uh, and it is still not over. All right, so that was a very interesting little point of view from a guy who, who would know. And uh, we have to recognize that despite the different ways you want to look at it, this is bringing us closer and closer to the precipice of a real conflict, a real civil war in this country, a battle between political parties that can't be resolved through an election and without any the ability to move forward, and with the provocation of violence by extremist groups. Um, and I was, it's interesting that the Black Lives Matter has is, is already come out as a group, and so has anti-fascists, the Antifa group, because later on when we have uh, departments within the government that are actually going and, and rounding up black people in mass in a most illegal and treacherous way, then it'll be hard for people to, to come up with the slogan Black Lives Matter because that, that ship kind of already sailed. And we, since we already have Black Lives Matter and it's already kind of run its course and people are sick of hearing it and they're just, I'm sick of Black Lives Matter, I don't want to hear it anymore. And, and a, a lot of people within certain communities use that as a provocation and as an excuse to go out and loot and do all this stuff. And as they do these mass roundups, it's going to be hard to say, wait, wait, hold up. Let's not let the, uh, the federal power round up black people. It'll be hard for people to, to say, wait, Black Lives Matter because they already, they already ran that one. And it's the same thing with anti-fascists. Uh, you know, as the anti-fascists go around their black block and burn buildings and, and beat people up and be, just be totally Hitlerian uh, fascist pigs, and they, and they go around and cause all these problems, and they're being paid by George Soros to go out and just destroy our, our democratic institutions. Later on, when fascism arrives in the United States, when the fascist power structure comes into place and starts to snatch people off the street and round people up with secret police, and we want to say, wait, wait, we're anti anti we're, we're anti fascist. It'll it'll be too late. It'll be too late to use that slogan. It'll be too late to use that epitaph. It'll be, it'll be too late to use that political title because it'll already have ran its course and it would already have been abused and Antifa already went around and beat the shit out of people and, and th spit in the face of cops and burnt down businesses and nobody's going to hear Antifa anymore. And if you say, well, I'm anti-fascist, they're going to start, their people will look at you suspiciously because they use that name just like they use Black Lives Matter in the most derogatory meaning. 
in the most derogatory form. They didn't use Black Lives Matter as an instrument to protect black lives, and they didn't use Antifa as a, as a, as a group to protect against fascism, but they were abusive groups, that, and they already used these political idioms, if you will, and they already abused them, so it'll be hard for us to call on those later on. And uh, as we're going forward here, I do have some more interesting clips that I want to play, but we're going to get into more of the, the, the sinister area, because it seems like as we move forward, some of our conspiracy theorists, who are used to be over on the uh, the side, over the, uh, on the peripheral, who, knew, who were never taken seriously, are now becoming like the, uh, they're now becoming like the genius, they're, they're now being proved right. And um, we have to kind of now go back and look and see, well, what, what were we missing? Since we weren't willing to believe when people started to bring up the Federal Reserve System or the, uh, the globalist order, the Bilderbergs, as soon as somebody would say something like that, we would just, just turn off our minds and say, okay, you guys are, are crazies and we're not willing to participate in this, you know, this kind of lunatic ideas. Now we're finding out that these ideas are coming true so that people who were recognizing the danger early on were not really as conspiracy theory quack as we thought. So we have to take a look at what's coming with this dark winter situation. Apparently dark winter refers to a secret uh, operation when the government and the military practice like Jade Helm in 16 was a Jade Helm 16 and they practiced the military maneuvers. I think that that they had a dark winter maneuver where they practiced what would happen if they had to take over with no martial law because there was an epidemic of an outbreak of some kind of biological uh, weapon that was used. And so they had to just set up tent medical camps everywhere and shut down the government. No one could go to work and everyone had to find their papers. It was like, um, it was like being in, uh, back in Germany, you know, you have a burden if you didn't have your papers. If they got you uh, on the street with no papers, then they would round you up and you would be disappeared. And and so, or if you didn't have the right papers, just stamped at the right time. And all of a sudden, you had to be a certified human. You had to, like, justify your existence of while you're walking around breathing the air. And that's what could happen here in the United States. So let's, um, let's go back here. We're going to go to geopolitics and empire. So it's geopolitics and empire. They were censored by big tech. And then you're going to see that more and more. In fact, I, I doubt that this, this show will stay on very long either. I mean, I say what I want to say, and you're just not allowed to do that. So um, geopolitics and empire, you can still find the podcast, even though Twitter and Google and Facebook and everyone else has banned the, this guy. We're going to listen to some of his very interesting uh, episode here. We're going to talk about Dark Winter. I'm surprised that it's being used so massively in the United States because it is... Is the question being raised that when you mail in vote, that you're not that you, you're not necessarily alone, so you're not necessarily an, uh, an influence? That might be a big disadvantage. Well, yeah, there's this whole thing called ballot harvesting, where there's literally people from both parties that go around door to door, basically intimidating people and saying, "Well, hey, you haven't filled out your uh, ballot yet. Um, gee, it sure would be a shame if anything happened to your your car or your dog or your house or you." Or, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's obviously a cartoonish exaggeration of ballot harvesting, but the, this this does happen and it is a problem. And the, the idea that I mean, yeah, like you said, they're not necessarily alone. It could be somebody holding your hand or somebody filling out the ballot for you, as is many cases. There have been all these cases popping up of, like, dead people voting and stuff. And it's like, okay, so obviously that person didn't vote. Who did? 
so yeah to get your thoughts a bit i think there's been a running theme with a lot of our guests and and even some of us hosts uh, when we're discussing biden or trump right and uh, a lot of us think that there won't be too much uh of a difference it's more like coke and pepsi um some people think that biden will accelerate uh, the crash of the american empire and trump maybe will buy us some time um what are your thoughts on the dynamics of, of the whole biden and, and, and trump and and you know what's going on well, I think that Biden has said he wants to put the entire country under a lockdown. Well, basically, he's, he said he wants to do what the scientists want to do. And, of course, what the scientists, quote-unquote, want to do has nothing to do with science. If you're looking at somebody like Fauci, he's been wrong about every major so-called epidemic in his entire career. Um, he's got the blood of thousands of people on his hands just from the AIDS epidemic alone when he blocked medications that would have saved lives in favor of medications that actually killed people like AZT. And um, so it's like, that's definitely a big problem. I don't think that, that, that there's that, that much of a difference. As you said, it's Coke and Pepsi in terms of actual policy that affects, um, you know, foreign policy, things like that. We're going to get more war no matter who it is. Trump, for all his rhetoric about ending the wars in the Middle East, actually borrowed more civilians than even Obama. And that's, uh, that's a lot of civilians dying at the hands of U.S. taxpayer paid bombs. But um, as far as domestic policy goes, I think for those of us who are interested in remaining outside of a nationwide lockdown, as much as I am loath to say anything in favor of Donald Trump, like it is slightly, slightly more rosy outlook there, but only slightly, of course, he could do it about face because you get the feeling that Trump is just playing a role at, at any rate. And he's made it clear even during the first part of the pandemic that this was all decisions being made far above his pay grade. Like he, he didn't want to do any sort of federal lockdown, but then he made some comment about how, oh, we didn't want to do this, but they said we had to. And now it's, who, who's that? And it's, he's always kind of teased just this little hint of, okay, well, I'm not the one making the decisions here, so don't blame me. And that's why I've said before in uh, some of my articles for RT that I don't think that either of them really wanted to win this particular election because they know that whatever happens, they're going to be saddled with the fall of the empire. And while it's entirely possible they could keep the ball rolling, it's uh, getting a bit ridiculous. If you're minting trillions of dollars <laughs> at a time, at every single uh, oh, uh, every every time Congress convenes, oh, we need another uh, multi-trillion-dollar bailout because um, you're deliberately smothering the economy with a pillow. And it's so. I mean, it's it's a, it's a little bit of a certainty almost that something is going to have to give. And I, I don't know exactly what that will be or when, but I do know that they have all kinds of fun uh, unrest in store for if things don't go the way they want. And um, I mean, it's, yeah, but I, I don't, I can't be too optimistic about either outcome, but I would rather not live under a nationwide lockdown. So, I mean, that's just my way of looking at things. So the difference is, so this is from Europe, I'm in the Netherlands, so... Uh, we have a lot of small nations now. My and then in Austria we have a lockdown. In Spain, you're not allowed out without your face mask. And just today, I mean, outside even. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it's in the United States, but that's that's idiot. But but our prime minister went out in his press conference just this evening, like a couple of hours ago, saying, "Well, you're not allowed out with more than uh, two people in your kit. So we we can't. Me and my wife and our well, we, we can't be on the street <laughs> uh, if he has his, has his way. And he's talking curfew. So apparently his virus is being blocked by a curfew. 
Yeah, that, that's exactly it. They, they they want us to completely just ditch our common sense. Any sort of like reasonable reaction to something like that, such as, well, yeah, the virus has a bedtime. Does the virus not, uh, the virus sees this many people and it says, ooh, yummy. And then it sees this many people and says, oh, I'm going to stay away. Nobody actually thinks like that. And nobody thinks the virus thinks like that. But they don't want you to react like that. So there's, it's just been a constant chipping away at your common sense and constant chipping and chipping and chipping away so that when they finally roll out whatever the big uh, reveal is and it's it is does present a bit of interpretation that you don't need whatever is going on now is going to be looking looking like child's play when they finally uh, deliver the, the the real uh, the real deal here because i do think that this uh, the because of the low death rate in general of the, the of the novel coronavirus that this is a dress rehearsal for whatever the final thing is going to be this is just making sure they have all their ducks in a row i mean there was that world health organization document that uh, asked all signatories to uh, have conducted um i believe it was two drills uh, using the entire um health emergency service I'm, I'm i'm not remembering the phrasing exactly but there was there was a document that uh was put out in i think 20 18 that uh, I mean I can I can send it to you guys to post it in the, in the show notes because I think everybody should read this it's very interesting especially in light of what's going on now in terms of just like oh you have to conduct a, a drill using the entire emergency system uh, by September 2020 was the deadline and uh, so yeah just they don't want you to react like a normal human being would react. They want to alienate you not only from uh, the planet, and not only from your species, not only from your uh, your civilization, your family, your friend group, but from, but from yourself. They want you not to actually behave according to a normal human instinct of self-preservation, of uh, just you know a, a normal reaction. So they, they try to say, oh, these are things that spread the virus. There's uh, the New York Times editorial board actually put out something a few days back saying that. Uh, well, we, we can't celebrate the holidays as usual because we know that singing and laughing and smiling, well, it wasn't smiling, but it was singing, laughing, and celebrating, something like that spreads the virus. And not, not like, oh, crying or shouting, or but it was all these like happy things that, oh, the, the, we know that spreads the virus, so we can't see our families for the holidays. Yeah, same thing here. It's, it's global, it's universal. But do you yeah. think it's a dress rehearsal for... Uh, another virus or a bigger virus or it's a dress rehearsal for something else um it could be both i mean uh, gates has said uh, bill gates has said that this is oh, well they they're gonna listen to us next time he's always talking about pandemic 2.0 and he made, he's made a bunch of comments about a bioterror attack so it's entirely possible that they might combine two of their favorite things and have like a false flag bioterror attack but um it could also be lockdowns for another reason i mean um thanks I've heard this this talk of climate lockdowns. I think that sounds a bit far fetched, but then again, we would have thought that this sounds far fetched back, you know, two years ago. So, I mean, they, now that they've they've gotten what they wanted, and they realize there's absolutely no opposition. So the sky's the limit. This was actually a, almost literally a statement by our government saying, "Well, one way to get our climate goals is to continue this lockdown." <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's insane. That is so insane. But I mean, they, they got what they wanted the first time. So what's what's going to stop them from taking it to the most absurd lengths that can possibly go? So here you can see that, and this was going to be the episode with he he Helen Buninsky, Fall of the Empire, Dark Winter Head. So I think that we're going to get more into this discussion, this rational discussion about our survival.
And that's what American Revolution and American Independence was founded on. We fought to ensure the survival of our children and their children. And we wanted to make sure that we weren't just um, bought and paid for property of the landlord, like so many livestock. And we wanted to ensure that we could have a voice in our government and that our liberties would be protected. And it wasn't so long before America was founded that we had the printing press and we printed out the King James Version Bible and we took the Pope and all of his emissaries and we threw them on the, on the ash heap of history and we put them behind us because we didn't need a religious ecclesiastical maniac to tell us when our sins are forgiven or whether we we're going to be burned at the stake or not. We took our own fate into our hands and we developed this republic based on democratic institutions for our freedom and for our security. And now the weaponry and the mechanics of this democratic institution and our republic are being turned against the people. And when you, we can't even elect our own president because deep state, international, global, globalist elites are going to get involved and put their thumb on the scale and cause this massive cheating, then we have a major problem in our hands. So it's time for a new refounding of the American Revolution. It's time to re-win re the battle for our independence and to make sure that all those billionaires and tech elites in Hollywood all across the, the world that think that they can direct world affairs for their own interests will have to be held accountable under equal justice of the law. And that's what we expect. Even though we're facing this uphill battle, we're facing these ridiculous cheaters and they're going to run out ahead with their cheated election to try to proclaim a victory. It's got to be absolutely just frustrating. And I can imagine how it is, but we need to go because of the genius of our institutions and, and because of the Constitution, we need to go Article 2, and we need to go through this process and look at the state legislatures to actually make their correct call. So the state legislatures can send their electors to the college of the Electoral College, and their electors are going to cast the electoral points for each state. So it really doesn't matter what the ballot count is at all. It doesn't really matter how many fake ballots they put in there and how hard they cheated. What matters is that the electors are going to be chosen by the state legislature and sent to the Electoral College, and it's going to decide the election. So if you pray, you may want to get out there and pray. And, and if you're an honest person and you have any, even a, a thimbleful of intellectual honesty in your body, you would prefer that this election was was uh, decided based on what the the uh, majority of the American people are. And the, the majority of the American people in each state is representative in the legislative body. So it makes sense that, that if we sent elect, uh, representatives and elected them to the st state capitals to be our legislature in our state, that that is a representation of our will, and they are the ones who are empowered to send those electoral points to the candidate that that state chose. So we need to go farther in, into the machinations of the global elite. They really have a plan here. And they I don't think that they expected that Hillary was going to lose. They didn't try very hard. It's obvious that they were cheating this whole time on the Biden election because he sat in his basement and didn't do anything. And he seemed pretty confident that he was going to just win. But it goes back to this 
dark winter comment, and we need to explore further what they're, despite the the politics and the and the faces and the names of who we're trying to vote for, really just trying to save ourselves from the neo-communists, globalists, the George Soros, the uh, the power structure of the elite that rep- that is uh, being bought and paid for, Joe Biden. Uh, we're trying to escape this pedophile rings, these um, these pedophile islands. There's no telling how many of these. Um, what was the guy's name who went to prison? Jeffrey Epstein. And there's no telling how many of these guys are out there that are being that are used to, to in some disgusting level, to control on a, you know an illegal basis all the 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 things that these these elites have at their at their disposal and. It's clear that the American people do not want the Obama, Hillary, deep state, pedophile groups to come back into into the control of the federal apparatus. And nothing could be more dangerous for us to go back into all the different wars. And nothing could be more destructive for the direction that we take we've taken to become energy independent, to grow our economy, to make sure the American people uh, have. Uh, growing industries and gr- a growing future with the different factories and the different uh, big business that's been drawn back into our country. So if we just do uh, an about face again and, and turn the other way in some kind of schizophrenic way, our enemies are going to take note and decide that the experiment for human self-rule for people who have built a self-government will be a, a, in such a weakened state that I think that we will go to war just to defend our own national enterprise on our own shores. And, and we've talked about that before, the idea that we could be facing a planned land invasion. And so somebody like Joe Biden, who's totally corrupt and totally sold out to China, would just be uh, basically an espionage asset, uh, a triumph of the uh, Chinese and Russian intelligence agencies to get one of their own into the White House and in a Biden administration. These people are so d- corrupt and so anti-American, and they have a future plan for us that's really just Orwellian. So let's go ahead and just take a listen to a little interesting report we have here by uh, uh, the X-22 report. And they have a very interesting point of view, so let's take a listen. Now, we know for a very long time the deep state, the central bank, the corrupt politicians, they were planning to move this system into a completely new system. Many people call it the reset. And we've been getting indications, indicators, that they're preparing to do this. Remember, a couple days ago, the IMF came out and they talked about a new Bretton Woods and how this would benefit the people. Why would they talk about a new Bretton Woods if their system is working perfectly? There's a reason for it. Then we had central banks working together, discussing digital dollars, moving the system into digital currency. Now, I'm not talking about cryptocurrency. I'm not talking about Bitcoin. I'm talking about a central bank-controlled digital currency. Now, remember, this was their plan from the beginning. They're going ahead with it. And like I said, when all these people are rounded up and all these people are sitting in front of a judge in their trials or whatever else happens to them, the biggest battle is going to be the central bank establishment. This is the root of the entire problem here. This is the invisible enemy. This is what Trump 
has been talking about. Yes, there are other players, but when you go up through the pyramid to the top, you have these individuals who do not want to give up control. Yes, the others down below, they're all foot soldiers. And they're going to fight as hard as they possibly can. And what they're doing right now is they're making their next move. And this doesn't mean the Patriots don't know about this. Of course they do. It doesn't mean the Patriots don't have a plan. Of course they do. It's almost like when we're approaching the election, a lot of people thought, wow, we're going to have mail-in voting. The corrupt politicians are going to win. And they're going to manipulate it and create chaos. But today, you can see something happening that's very, very different. That whole plan doesn't seem to be working out for them. The same thing is going to happen with the central bank after Biden. Now, what else is very interesting about all of this is that during the debates, Biden said something very interesting. He mentioned something called dark winter. Take a listen to what he said. The summer, we're about to go into a dark winter. A dark winter. And he has no clear plan and there's no prospect that there's going to be a vaccine available for the majority of the American people before the middle of next year. Now, Biden just didn't say it once. He said it twice. That we're heading into a dark winter. So then I was thinking to myself, this is a very strange thing to say. Why would you say something like dark winter? Yes, we're heading into winter. It might be dark. But when you look it up, do you know there's an operation called Dark Winter? Let me read this portion to you. On June 22, 2001, a group of well-known U.S. officials and a handful of senior policymakers gathered at Andrew Air Force Base in Maryland for a senior-level exercise that simulated a biological weapons attack, an outbreak of deadly smallpox on the United States, designed by the John Hopkins Center for Civilian Biodefense Strategies, now called the Center for Health Security, and the Washington-based Center for Strategic and International Studies. The day-and-a-half-long dark winter simulation was conducted to gauge how senior leaders would respond to such an attack. Dark winter has since become legendary in senior policy-making circles in Washington for a different reason. It has regardly been cited by its designers and participants as the clearest exhibit of the spiraling stresses and potential social collapse that could be sparked by a public health crisis. So think about what he's saying right now. We know their plan is to have riots, to create chaos. And what happens when they don't win? Do you think they're just going to run off into the sunset and say, try to catch me? Or are they going to try to stop what Trump is going to do? We know what Trump is going to do. Remember, optics are completely different after the elections. Because he's already designated KKK and Antifa as a terrorist organization. Yes, they still have to go through a process of confirming that, and then he can go ahead and use the military. They know this. What do you think they're going to try to do next? Do you think they're going to try to push something very different? Maybe this type of simulation? And we have heard rumblings about a second wave. Are they going to say it's a mutation or it's something completely different? But it's very interesting that he says that we're headed into a dark winter because they're going to try to use this to stop what's coming. What is coming? The pictures, the evidence, the arrests. The optics are completely different after the elections. Before the elections, it would make Trump look really bad. He was doing it because it was political. 
Remember, he's not the one bringing out this information. For optics, he says, I've heard about it just like you did. Giuliani was the one who was doing this. And now the FBI, the Senate, they're looking into it. We know that this was part of the plan, but moving forward, these individuals know that a lot more is coming because now the gloves are off. We're in the 15th round. Trump is going to punch very, very hard. And it's not just the low-level people. He's going to go all the way to the top. And they know this. And I do believe they're preparing for when they lose. Not when they win. For when they lose. Trump, the Patriots, they know the playbook. We need to go back to the beginning to understand all of this. And we know that Trump, he's going to be rounding these people up. He's going to be moving at lightning speed. Why? Because optics are in his favor now. He doesn't care about re-election because he's in his last term. And once this information comes out and all these pictures, remember, that has to come out first. It has to unite the people. It has to make people see through the propaganda. And when you're continually hitting the public with this information, it's very, very hard to spin. The only thing you can do is censor or create a false flag big enough to disrupt everything. So with that, it's a very interesting point of view on the X-22 report. Now, like I said before, I don't necessarily 100% support every single thing that we discuss on this on these episodes and every, all the different reports that we listen to and the different point of views that we hear. It doesn't mean that, that I am somehow behind all these different ideas. I'm suggesting that we have to examine opposing ideas, different points of view, to look at them from different angles in order to get an idea of what's really going on. So we live in a world where somewhere there's a real election winner of this presidential election. We really don't know what's happening. We're just people that are at home in our cars or at home in our, in our living rooms, and we don't really have all the facts. And we're trying to listen to all these different diverse opinions. They're trying to tell us what the facts are to really get an idea of what's going on. So CNN is never going to say it's possible that Trump could still win if there's a bunch of, um, you know, false ballots, a bunch of fraud, voter fraud happening within this election. And of course, the Trump side, it can't concede their point of view that perhaps there was no fraud and Joe Biden just won because there was a whole bunch of people that really just love him. And so really what it looks like to me is that the deep state, the globalists have set up a huge election theft in order to overcome this very dangerous president. Um, it's obvious that they that the uh, Democrats couldn't win the Senate and they lost seats in the in the in the uh, the Congress. So it's pretty obvious that they were losing this election, and then it got stopped in the middle of the night so that they could come up with the extra ballots they needed. And so as this gets all unrolled, and the whole thing kind of unfolds for us, we're going to have to go back and recognize that each of the state legislators are independent actors, and I don't think they have a really an interest in seeing election fraud take place, and they're going to root all this out because it's, it's a disgrace, it's, a, it's an embarrassment to their own state, and they're not really, you're not going to find these Joe Biden political psychopaths that are willing to just, you know, to, to corrupt their entire state apparatus and their state legislatures and, their, and their, their state democratic institutions in order to just support one guy's attempt to escape prison. 
that's what it really comes down to. You have Obama and Biden and all their, and they really just are sock puppets. And you have these, the power elite behind them. They're trying to make sure they can take America down. And uh, I think uh, if Trump is anything, he's a nationalist. He's interested in seeing his kids and his grandkids grow up in America that uh, is free and independent and prosperous. And that makes sense to me as an American man, as a man who's interested in seeing my children grow up in a free country. I'm not interested in weird, uh, gay, neo-Marxist communists who run around the street spitting on cops to start to take over the institutions of my government to, to, to effectively change how education's done, how legal jurisprudence is done in America, how, you know, how industry, you know, is regulated. And so, you know, Doing away with fossil fuels in five years is, is just a recipe for starvation, mass starvation, and the destruction and collapse of our entire country. So I would like to see us go off a Federal Reserve system into a gold and silver standard of money. That'd be great. And take away their corrupting influence within the uh, printing of the, uh, the currency of issuance here. And we don't need a central bank anymore. And I think that's really what we're up against. We're up against the central bank tyranny as they're trying to make sure that we can't free ourselves from this massive debt. So I think ultimately Trump is going to prevail. And ultimately if we have to go to war and we have to go to a civil war, then we're going to have to just go to a civil war. We're going to fight it out. And um, all the cops and all the military and all the different people within the courts and different counties are all just going to decide where, where they stand as we all go out to fight and shoot each other. And I think that these college campus Mar Marxist Antifa queers are just going to get shot to death and it's going to be a huge bloodbath. That's my, that's my main concern. And I don't want to see um, martial law and I, and I don't want to see a, a military or a United Nations military try to be set loose on us as they try to control us or control the American people. The American people should be able to elect the government that they want, and they shouldn't have to deal with voter fraud like this. And really, ultimately, Obama and Biden should really just be hung up on a rope. We should just hang them from a tree, and that would be the end of it. So these are really harsh political rhetoric, but it's really the fight for the, the freedom of our country, for our lives, and for our children's lives. So, I mean, we're going to have to really just go to the mat at this point. There's a lot of people out there watching CNN who are snickering to themselves, who think that they can cheat and take this election, and that the huge wave of patriot support, the, uh, a lot of people are hurt right now uh, across the United States, um, people who had boat rallies and, and, and Trump parades and people who are who came out, you know, like 70 million people to vote in a landslide for Trump had to watch as these people, sneak, these sneaky rat bastard, son of a bitch, Democrat, Marxist, communist pigs went and tried to sneak in ballots and steal this election from us. And so people are going to be angry and they're going to react. And ultimately, I, I don't think that the support for, for Trump is going to go away. And I don't think that a Biden administration is going to be successful on any level. Despite the fact that big tech, Hollywood, Wall Street bankers, you know, corrupt politicians all across the country are all going to work together in a huge phalanx of, uh, of tyranny to try to overturn the will of the people. And I think that's what we're really facing here. And we need to make sure that we do not give up. So we're going to go and look back here at this discussion with Helen Buininski in the fall of uh, Empire, Dark Winter Ahead. And this is on the uh, Geopolitics Empire a podcast. So let's take a listen to this interview a little bit further.
you mentioned what that was 2019 i think september 2019 and it was like this new institution that was uh, formed between uh, who un fauci uh, was on the board uh, someone from the gates foundation and yeah as you said that by september 2020 so that was what two months ago they, they should have run uh, like the second part of their simulation and i mean there's just so many things we had that 2010 rockefeller lockstep report and then last year there were half a dozen coronavirus influenza bioterrorist simulations you know crimson contagion urban outbreak the one in wuhan in september with the chinese specifically were running yeah, event 201 of course event 201 so, yeah I mean, what, was, what was the name of that of that new organization that was the global preparedness monitoring board was that what it's called something like that yeah yeah yeah, and so now we're and now there, there's all this talk about dark winter, and I, I, you know, after Biden mentioned it recently in, in the debate, I did a quick search and I found the the mayor of London also used the term dark winter. The Minnesota governor uses dark winter. Um, oh my God! From another state, uh, and so it's like this now becomes some kind of slogan: dark winter. Uh, yes, as soon as he said that during the debate, I, I went on Twitter and it was just like Biden just said dark winter. We're all doomed. <laughs> it's just like I mean, well, when they start throwing that that term around, it's like obviously, I mean, some people know what it means, other people don't. But- uh, some of the lobby groups. Uh, Corona, COVID-1984, uh, what are some other issues that you recurrently focus on uh, that are on your mind lately? Well, I mean, the, definitely the coronavirus thing is very much in the forefront because I live in New York City and we've completely just destroyed everything that made this place special. And I think that it's really, it's getting into people's identities and it's changing who they are as a person or psychologically their entire character. Because if you have lived your entire life working up to be something like, say, an artist or a musician or anything along those lines or an actor I mean it's in New York had this huge theater industry and this huge music industry and I hesitate to even use the word industry because that implies some sort of like faceless capitalist thing and it wasn't really that it was that these were genuinely like uh, valuable uh, organizations that produced good art that a lot of people came here to see and now we don't have that anymore now we're literally explicitly by executive order forbidden to have that by a wannabe totalitarian uh, I call him like the, the mini primate Mussolini but that's kind of an insult to Mussolini because you know Cuomo is just so <laughs> he's, he's such a repulsive character and it's just that he has put out an executive order in August that forbids anyone from staging uh, musical or theatrical performances and charging admissions for them or uh, having people pay for them ahead of time so you can't know that they, if, if you go to a place and there's going to be music going on you can't know about it beforehand and you can't pay for it beforehand and it's just this the most uh, obviously in Inside out thing ever, and the whole idea is to asset strip what's left of New York City is to take uh, take the properties of the restaurants, take the properties of the theaters, and sure enough, the uh, real estate valuations for New York have gone plummeted weight into the bottom, into the basement. And I believe it is pretty much the same across the nation to a greater or lesser extent. I think probably more so in democratic states where we've had these heavy lockdowns and we've had these shutdowns that have put entire industries out on the street. Um, it's a giant asset stripping scheme. And just as the uh, giant sucking sound that Ross Perot talked about NAFTA pushing across the border, now we're getting a giant sucking sound going upwards to the private equity executives that Cuomo literally has these private equity 
equity executives, these again vulture capitalists on the board of the, uh, the the committee tasked with putting New York back together again after he broke it. And so the idea that you have these people who are profiting off companies being broken shells, husks of their former selves, uh, and you have these companies tasked with putting together the, the, it's the biggest conflict of interest you can possibly imagine. And this is, I, I believe that this is going on to some extent uh, across the ocean in England too, but I, I don't know enough of the details about, I know that they're trying to privatize the NHS and they've been trying to do that for a long time, but I think that, that, that they're definitely finding a way to work that in as far as uh, forbidding uh, police, police practices to carry out quote-unquote non-essential procedures. And then you basically end up bankrupting the practices and uh, it becomes, oh, well, look, they have no money. Well, I guess we'll just have to sell it off. And that's, I mean, that, that was how they were able to get uh, the hospitals in the U.S. to agree to basically commit uh, what would amount to war crimes if we were in a declared war as far as just putting uh, infected patients in uh, wards with the elderly and frail and having them infect everybody and basically kill everybody and then having preemptively written exemptions into the law that uh, would prevent them from being put in jail for these crimes. It's, I mean, the, the idea that this wasn't pre-planned or at least in part uh, that, there, that there was some kind of game plan is completely absurd and the fact that there are still people trying to argue that I mean it, it's it was very telling that like Twitter and everybody's trending topics that they now no longer allow topics to trend organically it can only trend if there's a mainstream news uh, story associated with it and then it's just it, it's it's very unfortunate that what was could have been a tool of liberation for the people has become such a tool of mental control it's uh, become a, a definite cult. I kind of diverge from where I was starting with that, but as they're in the terms of people's personalities, uh, that they, they've they've had their, their their reason for existing. That the thing that they had want that they had always been the, their their purpose as a say an artist or a musician or something. And now they can be a rule follower and they can be a really good rule follower. And that's that's what they're going to be now because they they realize that there's no future for them in this previous thing. And rather than fight back and actually stand up for themselves and actually you know sustain it. For humanity, even it's uh, okay. Well, I'm I'm going to be a rule follower. I'm going to rat out my neighbor, and unfortunately, this is where you get the uh, the Karens, the Stasi, the uh, the Corona Stasi, or whatever. There's there's a whole bunch of terms for them, but. Sure. I I've been thinking a lot about that lately, about how uh, community policing is the new thing, and uh, how we're so we're facing a new era of ubiquitous overarching globalist control and it really goes down to how much privacy we lost and that was you know going through the 90s and the early 2000s we were aware that we were entering into a cybertronic era where we could no longer have really our own thoughts uh, without you know someone observing that or, or keeping a record of it or within the NSA where you're going to have people who can really just bring up the last five years of all of your digital transactions and every every you know kind of going up to the gas station for ice cream at 2 a.m. Like every single thing that you do and every single place that you go and every probably the direction that you're moving in and what you're probably going to do is all part of an AI filter now that can kind of algorithm your your life uh, into a pattern. And as the, uh, the AI patterns and algorithms get more and more uh, educated and more intelligent and more uh, sophisticated every single day, every hour, they're able to tell, you know, what people are thinking what they're most likely probably to do, what their reaction is probably going to do. So we're getting into this era of thought police where Twitter just decides that they're just going to black you out. They're going to go ahead and put a, a thing over 
your uh, your post or basically just decide and play referee on what is morality and what is truth. So we're at this point now where we're facing an absolutely unambiguous tech tyranny and they're up there in their billion dollar ivory uh, towers and they're deciding for all of us what the future is going to be you know what to think was acceptable speech was acceptable thought and uh and, and and they're deciding that in their own terms so it's not a fair standard it's just a one-sided standard where the leftist paradigm is supported by a fake media and pseudoscience and fake academia and they've really just put together their own presuppositions into this weird religious dogma where they have decided that because of uh, propaganda pictures of evolutionary paintings uh, for models back from the 1960s and 1980s, that evolution exists and there couldn't possibly be an intelligent precursor, an intelligent directing motive behind the universe, and so since everything is determinative and just uh, an unfolding uh accidental reality they can't be controlled and there's no ultimate force of divine intervention or will behind the phenomenological events of reality then ultimately whatever they do if they want to go kill off a couple hundred thousand people and dig a ditch and throw their bodies in there then it doesn't matter it's just it does nothing means anything and it's just really just a, like we said before a will to power whoever is willing to go and kill off all those neighbors and take all their goods then ultimately he's the one who's going to end up with it all so it's a stalinistic era that we're moving into here where one side decides that it can cut off the other side because they're right and since they're right, then these uh, old Bible thumpers that cling to their Bibles and their guns or the flyover country district, you know, and when I was looking at these maps, you know, there'll be like three or four counties in an entire state that are blue, and there'll be 52 counties that are all red, and somehow all the votes that are added up from these four or five blue counties that are around the cities somehow to overtake all the will of the voters that are in all these other, you know, numerous counties that are red. It's really bizarre, this period we're, we're facing. I mean, the, 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 the move towards tyranny and totalitarianism is so, is happening so quickly, and it's so kind of predestined almost. These guys have kind of known they're moving there. You can see that they were moving with this fake ballot count, with these fake ballots. They had that all laid out for months. So, I mean, I guess Biden didn't really need to campaign because they weren't really looking for the vote of the American people. They were looking just to use their media and their Hollywood uh, acolytes and their billionaire power players and their globalists and their Wall Street bankers and their tech tyrants like Jack Dorsey up here and these idiots at Facebook. They're just really trying to take control. And I think that there's a certain madness, the, the Hitlerian madness that takes over where you think, well, I'm doing the right thing. So, I, I, you know, anyone who gets in my way is the enemy. And they're ultimately, I think we're in danger. I think that Stalin was able to kill all those Ukrainians in a mass starvation. What, it's 50, 60 million? No, nobody really knows how many million Ukrainians just died on the ground. These are farmers, too, like dogs, because one guy flipped a lever of power and decided to cut off the uh, the mode of, uh, of the economy so that these people could feed themselves, and they just starved them all. I think that we're under the same danger from these lunatic leftist 
psychopaths who decided that they that they don't have to listen to the will of the people. It's like a political rape. They can decide that they want to have it their way, and since they're right and they feel good about all their billions, and they feel you know it's it's like they're turning us into China, and China uses this AI and its uh, facial recognition software to just you know turn the screws on the individual within the state, and the individuals are just a cog in the wheel. They better obey. They better have a good social credit score. They better you know be a good state citizen, or they'll just be disappeared because they don't mean anything. They don't have any habeas corpus rights. They don't have any kind of protection under law. So that's what they're doing here. They're getting rid of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And as you sit home and with your Trump hat, you can't do anything about it. And so that's why we come in. We are here. We are the order of Skeleton Key 318. We've been operating for several years now. And you can go ahead and send us an email because we're not with this program. We're here to resist even to the death. We're not afraid. We're going to go ahead and, and take up arms against a, a, a wicked, a tyrannical state. And then if we die, we die. And, and if, if we win, we win. I mean, it's, it's the same thing what happened with George Washington. We have to put our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor into this fight. And, and, and really, we live for this. I mean, it's this is really exciting times, if you ask me. This is a, a chance for us to, to water the tree of liberty with the blood of, of our enemies. You know, it really, that's what it comes down to. And all these, like, posers like the Proud Boys and all them, they're really nothing. They're really, you know, you know, I'm glad that they're, you know, you don't really want to show your enemy. You know, anyway, we'll just save that for a different episode. But I want to go on here. We have an interesting, an interesting perspective. It's going to be an interesting uh, interview here with Ted Cruz, and it looks like it's on the show called The Verdict. I'm, I think I'm looking at on Mr. Knowles, Michael Knowles here. I'm looking at this correctly, and let's go ahead and give it a listen. We have all talked for months and months and years and years about the threats that big tech is posing to free expression, to the First Amendment, to our public square, to self-government itself. Now, finally... The government is taking action. The Department of Justice is suing Google on the grounds of antitrust. The U.S. Senate is going to subpoena Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg, the heads of Twitter and Facebook. Big tech is finally being called to account. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. Welcome back to Verdict with Ted Cruz. I'm Michael Knowles, joined as ever by Senator Cruz. Senator, I like to think that on this show we predict the future, and I guess sometimes actually maybe affect the future, because we're talking about laws that could be passed and uh, big moves that could be taking place in the federal government. Last episode, we talked about this crazy story with big tech censoring a New York Post investigation into Hunter Biden and possible corruption involving Joe Biden. Big tech suppressed the story, shut it down. We all saw it going on for days. Now it appears the federal government is taking action. All I've seen are the headlines, Senator, that the DOJ is going to try to break up Google and that the Senate Judiciary Committee is going to subpoena the other heads of big tech. What can you tell us about what is actually going on? Well, sure. This has been a a big and momentous week on on multiple fronts, as you just noted, concerning big tech. Um, Let's start with, with Twitter and Facebook. And, and last week during the confirmation hearing on Judge Barrett, we had one story that came out Wednesday night. That was the New York Post blockbuster story on Ukraine based on Hunter Biden's emails um, and, and alleging on its face corruption by Joe Biden 
uh, and and that he had lied in saying that he had not not met with these Ukrainian oligarchs. The next day, Thursday, and we recorded a, a verdict podcast with, with that information that night uh, because both Twitter and Facebook blocked that story. Uh, if, if any individual user tried to tweet out that New York Post story, you got a, a warning sign that said you, can, you couldn't tweet it, uh, you couldn't post it, and Twitter said that this was potentially harmful. Uh, well, the next day, Thursday morning, uh, the story actually, it, it got worse because the New York Post broke a second blockbuster story. Uh, this second one was, again, from the same trove of emails on Hunter Biden's laptop, allegedly. Uh, this one concerning communist China and an offer from communist China to pay not only Hunter Biden millions of dollars, but to pay Joe Biden himself millions of dollars. The emails refer to Joe Biden as, quote, the big guy. And it's an offer of serious cash directly to Joe Biden. So once again, Twitter blocked that. Uh, and I have to admit, I saw this, so I'm sitting on my phone during the uh, Judge Barrett confirmation hearing. And I'm, I'm up at the dais and I'm on my phone and I'm looking at the story and I'm like, wow, this is unbelievable. And so I put together a tweet. You know, will Twitter block this one too? And I hit send and boom, Twitter's blocked it. And I can't send it. And, and, and I'm like furious. And so I get up and and called Lindsey Graham over, and he and I stepped out out back. And so the the public hearing room where we do the hearings is in the Hart Senate office building, and there's an area back behind that's like the ante room. So I pulled Lindsey back, and I and I was worked up. I said, you know what? Let's subpoena Twitter right now. We're we're meeting. The Judiciary Committee is here. Let's do it right now. Get Jack Dorsey to come right here and explain what in the hell he is doing. So I got to admit, Lindsey's staff was very worried about this. And and look, to be fair, they're, they're sitting there saying, well, let's not do anything to screw up the Judge Barrett confirmation. And, and I understand that. And I'm like, well, look, obviously, I don't want to I don't want to do anything to screw that up. And so they were nervous. Let's just let's not do anything else. Let's just do Judge Barrett. Um, but this was so, so absurd. I told Lindsay, we got we got to do something. So what his staff has said is, well, look, we can we can notice a hearing for next week and vote on subpoenas next week. And I said, great. And Lindsay said, you know, if you want, you and I can go announce it to the TV cameras right now. I said, great, let's go. We both walk out. It's during a break in the Judge Barrett hearing. So it's, it's just there was a kind of a five-minute break. Lindsay and I walk out to the uh, TV camera out there, and we both announce together that, that the Judiciary Committee will be voting on sub, uh, subpoenas to subpoena Jack Dorsey to testify. Uh, in in front of judiciary, and that blew up the news. That was literally uh, just on the fly. Lindsay and me talking in the ante room, and we agreed, let's go announce it. Uh, and now this week we'll be teeing it up. This is something that I realized during impeachment, and I, I suppose probably the listeners and viewers realized it too. That I di I didn't understand before. In my mind, the way the government, especially the Senate, works is that everything is pre-planned and nothing happens on the spur of the moment, and you just know what's going to happen, and that's that. What I realized was that's not really what happens in, in the moment. I mean, as you described during impeachment, you'd hear a question. You'd hear Adam Schiff say something. You'd go into the cloakroom. You'd talk to Senator so-and-so. You guys would make a plan to do this, that, or the other thing. And obviously that's what's happening here as well. Twitter's decision 
to censor this information, to suppress it, led directly to Jack Dorsey getting subpoenaed on, on the fly, in the moment. And we'll get into the legal issue, I suspect, in a moment. Yeah, but I think it is important for, for listeners to consider just the, the way that our political system is structured right now, that a U.S. senator in a hearing trying to post new information that has just come out from the oldest continually published daily newspaper in the country, founded by Alexander Hamilton, the New York Post, trying to put that out there in the public square, could be censored by a tech oligarch in Silicon Valley. That is the, regardless of the legal question, that is the political situation that we're looking at now as we head into these subpoenas. So look, you and I, and on Verdict, we've been talking about tech censorship a long time. And, and a lot of us have been very concerned about tech bias and censorship for years. It's been getting steadily worse. It's been escalating more and more and more. Last week was a dramatic escalation. Uh, last week, it's one thing for big tech to silence individual Americans speaking. They're doing far too much of it. It's wrong, and, it's, and I am leading the fight to stop it. But last week represented something very, very different, which is they silenced a major media publication. The New York Post has the fourth highest circulation of any newspaper in America. And not only could you or I or any American, you couldn't tweet their story. Twitter actually blocked the New York Post itself, prevented the New York Post from posting their own story and silenced the media from speaking. And, and it actually, you know, Politico, certainly not a right-leaning publication, to put it mildly, a Politico journalist sent out some tweets about the New York Post story, and the Politico journalist got blocked. And, and this is big tech asserting the power to censor the media. Yeah. And, you know, if reporters had even the tiniest hint of integrity, they'd be losing their minds over this. Right. Because this is literally Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg saying they can decide what media outlets an American can report. And what anyone in America is allowed to see, because if they can, if they can censor the New York Post, they can censor the New York Times. If they can silence Politico, they can silence the Washington Post, or they can silence Fox News. And crossing that threshold of we're now going to silence, uh, silence the the media is incredibly dangerous. Two weeks out from an election, certain no reporter cares. That they're so invested in, in defeating Donald Trump yeah. that they're willing to let Jack Dorsey censor them and, and to decide which of the stories can, can be published. Um, and and it's, it's, these, are, these are American oligarchs. I mean, you want to talk about the oligarchs of Russia? These are oligarchs with money that, that believe and they're drunk on their own power. Right. I think, I think this is the point when, when people use the phrase fake news, I think sometimes it's a little bit ambiguous what that means. But I think in its most precise meaning, it's not that every single news story is false. It's not that every single reporter is corrupt. It's that the news itself is fake because it isn't the news, <laughs> because the, the focus is not on reporting the news. The focus is not on standing up to censorship when the outlets are censored. It's all just about advancing a narrative that benefits yeah. one political party over another. Well, and you know, so, so the, most of the Democratic senators have ignored this issue, have ignored the New York Post story, have ignored, um, ignored Twitter censorship and Facebook censorship. Um, 
By the way, the Biden campaign has ignored it. So Joe Biden, about the only thing the Biden campaign has said is there's no meeting of, with the oligarch on his official schedule. So they haven't denied that this was Hunter Biden's laptop. They haven't denied that these are Hunter Biden's emails. They haven't denied that Joe Biden met with the oligarch, even though he said, said previously he did not. They haven't denied that, that communist China offered Joe Biden millions of dollars. So there's, there, no one's even asked them. You know, Biden did an ABC town hall the day after these stories broke, and, and they didn't bother to ask him. It, it, it simply it, it doesn't exist. It's been disappeared. Yeah. But when it comes to Democratic senators, to the extent they've said anything about it, their talking point has been, this is Russian disinformation. Okay, well, I, I'm not aware of any evidence of that. Um, the director of national intelligence has said it's not. But if somebody has evidence that it's Russian disinformation, great, show us the evidence. Look, if these emails are fake, that's highly relevant. I, I, if, they, if they're, But at this point, Joe Biden isn't claiming they're fake. Right. Well, it would seem, you know, the, the fact that the, the Biden campaign won't deny it and the fact that photos were released as well, either these Russian disinformers have the greatest Photoshop skills in the world or what we're looking at is legitimate material from Hunter Biden's computer. If something's fake, that's actually what journalism is for. So I'm perfectly fine with people reporting it. If you share the New York Post story, it turns out the story is wrong. Fine, then, then put out the refutation and show that it's wrong. But big tech doesn't want to do that. They just simply want to make it disappear. And I think big tech believes they are not accountable to anybody. And, and, and that's why I think it's so important that, that, that they testify. So we're wrapping up this episode, but right now in American history, we're at this turning point. We're at this crucial turning point where it's a point of no return. And if we don't allow the justice, an equal justice under the law, to take place, and we don't allow people that are committing you know, crimes to be prosecuted with a grand jury and to face indictments, then what we're going to see is the Biden administration come in and reverse all of the gains that we've made as a, as a people, fighting the deep state, getting this swamp drained, getting you know our our, our money back into to uh, uh, to a hard currency, as far as gold and silver backed hard money instead of this fiat currency. We're going to see these pedophile rings and all these arrests that have been made just completely buried. We're going to see accountability for the Clintons and for the Biden scams and, and all the uh, the illegal dealings they've been done. We're going to see an era of corruption completely taken over governing institutions and it'll just be ultimately a crime wave of the oligarchy. And you can expect that there will be no justice at all if, if people like Hillary Clinton and these people like uh, James Comey who ran this this fake FBI scam and did these illegal false FISA warrants. And if, if we allow all that to go unaccounted for because they steal this election, then they'll turn us into a third world country. They'll end up doing mass roundups of Trump supporters. They'll end up turning this country into the Weimar Republic right when uh, ultimately Hitler got elected. And that's what, what Joe Biden represents. He represents an empty suit. He represents the will of the internationalist, extreme globalists against the American people because we stand in the way of their program.
And so ultimately, this there'll just be another event. There'll be another lockdown. There'll be another bio attack that's blamed on Iran. Or there'll be another. They'll move their ball forward at the expense and the destruction of the United States. As we're discussing this whole issue of the uh, the big tech influence over our culture and our politics, and the idea of a consistent move towards this fraudulent ballot count and these uh, fraudulent election results that we're seeing where apparently they just stopped the count in the middle of the night and decided to resume counting days later when they had different different numbers and uh, they have these different vote drops that are, where the ballots are being dropped in that are 100%, 170,000 uh, ballots for Biden and none for Trump. So they're, they're going to have to go through all this stuff. And as the um, the, the media and social media uh, are going to come together to kind of try to push forward this idea that we have a president-elect Biden. In the background, the Trump administration is going to have to go to court and work through the results of this. And here we have an interesting uh, clip here with Sidney Powell and Tom Fitton. And this shows you the, the other side of the perspective. A lot of people are going to go ahead and just presume that this is over and that Trump is a sore loser. But on the other side of it, there's a very serious reality that's going to come forward here uh, in the courts. And that is the fact that Trump could flip those states, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Georgia, and just flip those right over to red and win this election and be inaugurated in January. So let's listen to um, Lou Dobbs. Tom Fitton, he's the president of Judicial Watch, Sidney Powell, General Michael Flynn's defense attorney, former federal prosecutor, best-selling author. Uh, I want to say, first of all, thank you both for being here, and I appreciate it. So now let's start with the, this election process. Uh, we just heard from John Solomon that the FBI indeed is being diligent, is involved, and we all hope he is exactly right. Uh, your thoughts first about... The, the knowledge now that uh, the Justice Department is involved in this uh, review of the election. Well, I'm delighted to hear that. I think there are any number of things they need to investigate, including the likelihood that 3% of the vote total was changed in the pre-election voting ballots that were collected digitally by using the hammer program and a software program called scorecard that would have amounted to a massive change in the vote that would have gone across the country and explains a lot of what we're seeing in addition that they ran an algorithm to calculate votes they might need to come up with for mr biden in specific areas i think that explains what happened in michigan where the computer glitch resulted in a change of votes of uh, uh, about 5,500 in favor of President Trump, just in one of 47 districts. All those districts need to be checked for that same, quote, software glitch, end quote, that would change the result in Michigan dramatically. Um, it, the same thing is happening in other states. We've had hundreds of thousands of ballots mysteriously appear for uh, solely for Mr. Biden, which is statistically impossible as a matter of mathematics. It can all be documented. We are putting it into materials that we will file in federal court, and we need to seek relief in multiple states to enjoin the certification of any election results. 
Jim Pitt, as you listen to, to Sydney, that that sounds like a, a strong case for a straightforward allegation of, uh, of fraud. The two programs that she just mentioned, I'm going to ask you right now, have, have you ever heard of them? Because I had not heard of them. No, I mean, there have been noises about it on the Internet, but I don't know anything beyond what uh, Sydney's reporting now. Uh, you, you know, I go back to the numbers you reported at the beginning of the segment. The president was winning on Tuesday. Right. He's not winning now. And he's not winning now as a result of a process that the voters can't have confidence in, the state legislatures can't have confidence in, and my view, the courts can't have confidence in. So the question is, are the courts going to undo what went on? I don't know. But the state legislatures in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, perhaps Arizona, they now have an opportunity to make a stand on behalf of the rule of law. Are they going to endorse what went on this week, or are they going to appoint a clean slate of electors that supports President Trump? That could be the next battle, and I would think that activists interested in this issue, and if you're concerned watching this, start talking to your state legislators. And I started asking where Congress is, because Congress, in the end, is going to be the judge of the Electoral co uh, College votes. And I thought if I were in Congress, I'd be telling these states, you better keep up on, uh, you better be honest here, because we're not going to accept your votes if, you're, if, you're, if your election is a sham. Well, Cindy, let's go back to, to uh, Hammer and Scorecard. Are, are those the names that you just used? the names that you just used uh, for those programs. Uh, what's being done about it, and, and how broadly were they used by vote uh, counters uh, in various states? I think they were very broadly used, but, but not by the vote counters. They were used by the forces in the Democratic operatives that had access to these programs through the the government access points that they have and used it illegally to change votes in this country. It's got to be investigated probably by the president's most trusted military intelligence officials who can get into the system and see what was done. But we do have some evidence that that is exactly what happened. And they've used it against other entities in other countries that's uh, just been turned recently against our own citizens here to change election results. It's absolutely appalling that that can be done. And whether it's called com computer glitches or something else, somebody has actually gone into the system and changed voting results. That's, that's called intervention in our elections, uh, irrespective of, uh, uh, I guess, if they were Russia or China, we'd refer to them as meddling. Uh, but it's intervention, and it's also crooked as hell, rigging this election uh, in any weather no matter the jurisdiction, whether it's uh, uh, Michigan, Georgia, wherever it might be. Uh, what can we do about it? Because the, the Department of Justice, I mean, if there's evidence of that program, why not just turn it over to the Justice Department and say, let's and, and go to the courts and say, this has got to stop now. Here is the way in which it was done. Well, we've been trying to get their attention and we're going to try even harder and we'll have to put it in a federal lawsuit, apparently, and get as much of it out as we possibly can. We have some excellent witnesses on the issue. 
but this is coup 5.0, Lou. I mean, there was no reason to think that the Democratic operatives who spent hundreds of millions of dollars creating the Russia hoax, the Steele dossier, taking us through a special counsel operation for two years, trying an impeachment hoax, the apocalypse hoax, the obstruction hoax, wouldn't go so far as to create every means of voter fraud they could come up with to steal this election. That's exactly what happens. The president must fight back now in every way, shape, or form. We cannot let this republic be stolen by the democratic operatives who want to destroy the republic and make it a socialist country where they continue to line their pockets with these backdoor global deals like the Biden laptop from hell exposes. Well, Cindy, that's, uh, I think you're exactly right about that not happening. Uh, let's, let's turn, Tom, uh, Tom Fenton, you've, you've pointed out in our discussions that these legislatures are Republican-controlled. Who can take that message to them, and precisely how likely is it that they would be receptive to a clean slate of electors uh, who would represent, say, the state of Pennsylvania? That's a, that's a Republican legislature, uh, and stand up for the integrity of elections and support the president. Well, you know, the focus from the media and activists and, and, and regular voters and citizens need to be brought to bear here. Uh, certainly the information we're learning uh, from campaign activists on the ground, independent journalists like John Solomon, the work of Judicial Watch should be also be brought to bear. I mean, we know, we knew going into this election in Pennsylvania, Luke, there are 800,000 extra names in the rolls of Pennsylvania. Nevada County has 154,000 inactive names on the rolls. Clark County, Nevada, I mean. Uh, so we've, we've got this problem of dirty election rolls, mailing and balloting being allowed to draw from and, them. A, and apparently a Republican and a Republican Party that doesn't demand that those rolls be cleaned up. I mean, that's crazy. Could you put up that uh, graphic again, please, folks? Uh, I want everybody to see what they're looking at, because this is really very important, what Tom's talking about. The control of both chambers of the legislature in these states that are critical right now in deciding who the next president will be. Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia. They must play a role in this to preserve the integrity, just as Tom Fitton is urging. Uh, and Cindy Powell, what you're breaking here tonight is extraordinary as well. So with that, we can see that the battle for the presidency and for this election in 2020 is far from over. In fact, it seems like it's very likely that the kind of nitwit CNN watching uh, leftist Antifa purple hair kind of guys out there who like to wear you know, women's clothes and and uh, the perverse left, the neo-communists that are godless, self-hating, uh, and, and trying to destroy their own country. They're really just traitors who are attempting with everything in their every fiber in their being to destroy the country in which their own feet stand and has brought them their own freedoms and their own rights. They are going to be shocked and absolutely incensed, I imagine, when they realize that by the time this vote is certified in December, it's very likely that President Trump will be reelected. So with that, we'll let you guys go, and hopefully we'll see you back on the next episode.